The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Hello listeners, this is Anastasia Pierce, and you are listening to a Fetish Count Friday on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, the official podcast of FetishCon, presented by Didn't Kinky. Thank you, Anastasia Pierce, and welcome to our first FetishCon Friday on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I am John, otherwise known as Hi There Catsuit, and on FetishCon Fridays, we'll be bringing you the stories behind some of the personalities that will be appearing this August in St. Petersburg, Florida at FetishCon 2023, the largest gathering of fetish in the world. And on today's program, we're going to bring you some of the first fives from some of our guests that are a part of FetishCon. We hope you enjoy this special clip show. Up first on this show, the incomparable Jean Bardot. Jean Bardot is a legendary fetish model, performer, and actress based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is also very well known as a professional dominatrix, making dreams come true in her well-appointed dungeon. And her collection of latex fashion and kinky gear is a sight to see if you're lucky enough to have the chance. Now, Jean Bardot on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. Five questions for Jean Bardot. First time you ever slipped into a latex catsuit and your emotions doing it. The first time, do you know how long ago that was? Which kind of says something about that because latex cat suits weren't that common when you first started. Mm-mm, mm-mm. My very first piece of latex was a dress. My second piece of latex was a dress, and those are very memorable. But my first cat suit, I, I think it was a damask. It must have been the torpedo tits that just, once I got it on, I just felt larger than life. I mean, that's first, my first memory of a cat suit. First time you ever set foot on a stage to perform a body show of some kind. Um, that felt crazy. I felt um, I kind of came outside of my body and watched myself from afar. It was weird. Yeah, I remember that stage very well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that you just brought that up. It just came very clear in my head. Tell me a little more about it. What was the scenario? Who are you performing for? Well, it was called um, Sexorama. It was in the First Avenue nightclub here in Minneapolis. It was a Wednesday. And um, it was kind of an audition to be a performer every week for this Sexorama event. I lied about my age. I was underage. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, I, 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 I had balls larger than life, I guess, at the time and just went for it. <laughs> It was, it was exhilarating. It was exhilarating. It was a lot of fun. I think I was high for days afterwards. And they liked, they liked me. <laughs> they liked what I did and how I looked. So it was like, fuck, okay, here we go. <laughs> and for those of our listeners who don't know, the First Avenue nightclub was made famous in a movie called Purple Rain by the one and only Prince. So I can only imagine being on stage at that beautiful venue. Yeah, and the same stage he, you know, performed at regularly. I was like, <laughs> First time you ever picked up an implement as a dominatrix, and what did you do with it? Was I spanking Miss Mia? Was I spanking little slut boy? Um, as a dominatrix. So I'm playing around a little bit. 
It had to have been a paddle at Mistress Amanda Wildfire's dungeon as a dominatrix, yeah. Did it feel good in your hand? It felt like an extension of my body. And does the emotion go through that paddle with you? I think I was so, I mean, I think at that point I was still very nervous. I was so nervous in front of her because she was, you know, for me, larger than life at the time. Um, and I think it was just, yeah, I don't, I just remember just being nervous, maybe more, you know, like trying to impress somebody nervous. First time you knew you were going to do what you were meant to do in your life. I know. Cause it's like, I think it was a combination. It was just like a snowball that just got bigger and bigger. And I went with it, you know, snowball meaning just rolling down that hill and, and just getting bigger and bigger and being so comfortable with everything and everybody and um, going with those feelings that felt good. And that, you know, taking that direction of just feeling so comfortable in it. And just having so much fun with it at the same time. Jim Weathers' bondage fetish photographer and producer career has spanned 25 years. Originally starting shortviewsvideo.com with his late partner, Corey Mr. T. Thompson, Jim strove to create content that was high gloss and beautiful. Jim left Shortfuse in 2001 and opened up the Bondage Cafe at bondagecafe.com. He's known for his work with Dita Von Teese, Karina, Christina Carter, Diana Knight, Kendra James, Emily Addison, Randy Moore, Angela Summers, and countless others. He's been featured in many fetish magazines, as well as a book entitled Jim Weathers, Kinky Bondage Obsession. Jim is also known for his elaborate superheroine productions, notably The Adventures of O-Girl and Nylonica, starring the aforementioned Christina Carter, Diana Knight, and Kendra James, and the Perils of Batgirl film starring Angela Summers and Candle. A new Perils of Batgirl movie has just been filmed and will be released later this year. Now, on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, the legendary Jim Weathers in part one of our interview. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever tied up a woman and what led you to that? Oh my Lord. Are we talking a long time ago? Probably about seven, age seven, maybe. <laughs> really? I yeah uh are you talking about like a like a grown woman or like when i was a kid so first um, the first time you can ever remember putting ropes on a, on uh, a female I was, probably, I was probably like seven or eight years old uh, i i mean i was um i knew i was into bondage so i was a little kid little little kid i mean this is not one of those things that happened at you know age 20 or something um and so that that would probably be it yeah i remember it was during a camping trip it was very very bizarre memory but um yeah there you go young this will probably go into that same category first time you knew batgirl was going to change your life age five i watched it live when i was a little kid and uh, i was a huge batgirl fan when i was a five-year-old I mean, I'm, this, this goes way back. Anybody who's watched my movies and stuff will understand that I'm somewhat of a fanatic in that way. Um, certainly the people who watched the new movie that I'm making now will certainly say, okay, yeah, he's still doing it. You know, that's kind of the way that is. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> since a little kid, man, little kid. We share that origin story with each other because I remember watching Batman live on the, I believe it was Wednesday and Thursday nights that it would yes. air back to back and remembering watching them uh, when I was a kid. And then when, and I've shared this story on the show, 
when I had my first orgasm and didn't even know what it was, Batgirl was on the screen. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a, I think this is 1968. I think I was five years old. So, because mm -hmm. um, it aired in the, well, maybe I was six. I mean, it was really close to that age. And um, I remember watching all that stuff live. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember the first short story you ever wrote about superheroines? Oh, yeah. Well, it was Perils of Batgirl. Perils of Batgirl story I wrote as an anonymous person back in the mid-90s, maybe. Um, that sort of came, that actually came about because I stupidly uh, commented on someone else's story back in I don't know, 94, 93, something like that. And didn't think, I didn't think the person was, basically the way he laid out the story is very hard to read because of the paragraphs. And you know how people just run on stuff and you can't read them. And I think I said something stupid and he said, well, if you think you're so great, why don't you write something yourself? Which is a perfectly legitimate thing to say. Honestly, I would tell someone else that now. So I said, fine, I will. And I went about writing this long, long story that has now become, um, people still ask me about it now, you know, 25, you are 25 years later. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm, I've recreated some of that story in, uh, in movies. So that I've made. So uh, that's where that came from. First time you saw Christina Carter in the O-Girl outfit and your reaction to it? Um, well, I, the first O-Girl was Andrea and Neil. And I, I'll just go back with this backstory on all of this because I'm sure people do or don't want to hear it, but I'm going <laughs> to tell it away. Um, Back in 1999-ish, uh, with my first partner, Corey Thompson, that we opened Short Fuse with, um, I told them I wanted to do a superheroine story to film it. And, and I didn't even film it on video. I just filmed it on pictures. And I couldn't do Batgirl at the time because it, I would have been sued by um, DC. They, they would not have allowed that at all. So I had to come up with a character so I created this O-Girl character because it was the only name that was not taken honestly <laughs> every other name is taken you know canary girl red orchard girl whatever they're all taken so I came up with O-Girl and I thought that was cool and it kind of sounded stupid but hey there you go so I shot this thing with Andrew and Neil and it was really popular but then she retired so I had to make had to have a new O girl, and then I met Christina. At, I think one of my birthday dinners or something, <laughs> and um, decided I was going to make a new O girl in like 2004. And I, rather than audition her, I tied her to a chair with a fake bomb and told her to like struggle like it was for real. And she did, and she was really good at it. And I thought, okay, well that's that's good. You're good. You would you like to be O girl and she was surprised, you know, by all of that. And then I had a custom outfit made for her and she put it on and with the corset and everything. And it was, it was pretty spectacular, to be honest with you. And she kind of just took the role over. And now everybody thinks that that's the only old girl there ever was. You know, that's kind of how that works. I remember the original old girl, uh, Andrea, with her purple cat suit and yes. I think it was Nicole Sheridan was playing the baddie and oh was yes. she good <laughs> oh my god it was uh, that movie was such a uh, such a learning I guess that's a good word learning experience for me um it was nuts and uh you know I filmed it terribly and um made every mistake you could possibly make it's still it's still a cool it's a cool story um i just redid the sort of 
hourglass peril sort of thing, which is why I have about 1,500 pounds of little teeny beads in my living room right now. Um, and I'm not kidding. Um, and uh, I did it the right way now. And it's spectacular. I think that um, people, I consider myself a superheroine snob. And uh, when I say that, I mean that either I'm going to, I've told a lot of people this and they all know this about me. I'm either going to do it here or I'm not going to do it at all. Right, you'll I can put my hand way up as high mm -hmm. as I can. Either I'm going to go all out and recreate Batman from 1966, or I'm not going to do it. That's that's kind of how it works. So people have been like wondering if I've retired from the superheroine genre because I haven't made a movie in a long time, and I've kind of surprised them all with, um, "Oh look, no, no, I haven't I haven't retired." Um, I just, we just had uh, Angela Summers and Randy Moore in a big plexiglass box that filled up with beads and uh, which looked like little teeny pieces of sand. And it was, I, no one has done this ever. That's kind of the way it is, right? Um, not even in mainstream movies, well, not really in mainstream movies. Nobody's done this before. Not, um, they faked it, right? And shot about two seconds of it, but no one's ever really done it. Well, now they have, because I've just done it. <laughs> I feel so, uh, this is me being uh, um, super proud. I'm, I'm proud everybody did such a great job. When's so. the first time you ever picked up a movie camera? A movie camera? 1997. First time I ever like picked up a photo camera was 1997. Mm. I was uh, 35 years old. Never had never taken a picture in my life, really. Never really owned a camera. Didn't know what an F-stop was. Didn't know what a strobe was. Um, I knew, I mean, I met this guy online and then we went and had a drink and decided to start a company. And um, it was very off the cuff arbitrary decision that was made. And I, I had a clear vision in my head of what I wanted to do. Very, very clear. Um, I, nobody at the time was doing bondage and fetish the way I thought it should be done. And no one at all. I mean, the, the Germans were doing sort of gas masky sort of stuff. And then there's Jay Edwards doing sort of lingerie bondage. And, and then there's Harmony doing sort of their own brand of stuff. But nobody was really doing what I would consider like high gloss, John Willie sort of um, cool bondage that looked like that. And, and it took me, I don't know, as a photographer, maybe it took me 12 years to figure out how to be a photographer. Mm. You know, uh, I was pretty good at the rigging part and the tying up girls part pretty much immediately, you know, instantly. But the actual, how, they, how the video looked or how the images looked took a long time to figure out how to do. Um, still learning the video part, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that basically, I, I, the vision, it took about 12 years for what I had in my head in 97 to show up, around about 2008 or 9, I think. Fetish producer, model, director, and now studio executive. She went from a submissive bondage model to adult film star shooting lesbian porn to dominatrix doing her own personal sessions and directing fetish scenes. And now she starts her new chapter as the head of studio relations for Clips for Sale, empowering producers on how to be successful themselves. With more than 20 years in the business, Anastasia Pierce has a great story to tell, and she shares it all right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. 
It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you set foot in a studio to do a photo shoot and your emotions going through it. Oh, that's a long time ago. Uh, first of all, hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. And my first time setting foot in a studio was when I met Ken Marcus at one adult convention. At the time, I was just camming. And I met him there through a friend. And he said, I'm a photo fetish photographer. Come to my studio in Hollywood on Melrose. We did. And I walked in and my eyes opened up when I saw all these fun things. And there were these chains hanging from the ceiling. And I said to him, can I try this? And 10 minutes later, I was naked, hanging by my ankles, <laughs> bouncing back and forth. And then they tie me on top of it. And they started spanking me. And I was having the time of my life. It was the first time ever. And it sparked something inside of me that is unexplicable, but it just felt like home. <laughs> Speaking of home, first time you set foot in the United States and your emotions. First time I set foot in the United States was Thanksgiving 1995. I came from Switzerland, which is where I come from. And I was hired for six months as an intern in a Swiss firm. And they didn't know, they didn't tell me that I was going to arrive on one of the only uh, uh, holiday days in the U.S. And mm -hmm. it was Thanksgiving. So I arrived at LAX, which is huge. And that's the busiest day of the year for travel. I was a lost little damsel at LAX. But I found my way to San Diego and I was very excited. And after 14 hours of flight, I thought it'd be great to go eat something. And it was Thanksgiving and everything was closed, <laughs> but it didn't matter. I was so excited to be there. And uh, I found a Denny's and I had breakfast for dinner. And I thought it was unbelievable to be able to do that. <laughs> it was exciting and scary. <laughs> First time you ever performed with a co-star in a scene and how you felt sharing the screen. Oh, I always was with someone at the beginning. I performed solo much later on. So for me, sharing the screen... Um, was exciting and these people who were with me on screen were sort of mentoring me and guiding me so I was looking up to them and just following their guidance and it was again exciting to do something new and uh, I happened to be very famous dominatrix which who I did my first scenes I was hired as uh, an extra for a movie and it was very hot, hot day. It was lots of latex and pony girl shoes. Can you imagine on the first day of shooting fetish, pony girl shoes and latex and uh, bits in the mouth and plumes on the head and <laughs> shackles. <laughs> and then they say, oh, would you like to do a BDSM scene with Mistress Isabella Sinclair? Wow. I didn't know who she was. And... She put a hood on my head and she started to warm me up with her flogger and then she took a cane. It became very intense, very sexy. And I didn't know that this existed. I didn't know if I could take it, but they were so excited. They said, you're coming back tomorrow for more, right? <laughs> First time I shared. The screen was a co-star. It was a very famous dominatrix. Yes. That's amazing. First time you ever set foot on Gord's property for the House of Gord, and what kind of contraption did he put you in? Oh, you know, I don't remember the first thing he put me in. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, he knew I could do reverse prayer very well, very comfortably. 
which is a bondage position that not everybody can do. I'm not very good with my elbows together, but I can reverse them. And he had seen me, I think, use uh, ballet shoes before. So he said, okay, you can do this. You're comfortable with this. Let's do this. And it was all outdoors up in Seattle. At the time, he had a cute lake on his property. And I remember it being tied up behind his truck in a reverse prayer, hopping <laughs> behind the truck as he was going forward. And it was pretty intense. I had a hood on my head, the Gwendolyn hood. I probably had a ball gag in there too, in my mouth. It was, it was great. But everybody was checking on me. It just, it was a complete different type of bondage I had never experienced before. And I had talked with Mr. Gordon many times and I knew he was an engineer, a crazy, mad genius. I really wanted to try his stuff. I went back for about a dozen of shoots. And every time we did like four or five scenes and every time it was just unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you, the worst thing that happened with Gord, which nobody would ever think it is. So he shrink wrapped me in mummified me and he put me in a silo that went up in the ceiling and I was in there with a fly. And that was the worst thing is I was stuck up in the ceiling with this very annoying fly that, of course, I couldn't move because I was mummified except for my face. <laughs> and I think I was up there for a good 30, 40 minutes, just me and the fly. <laughs> oh, wow. Completely, you know, like just up there in the ceiling, gone. <laughs> It was fun, though. but that was the worst experience I had with him. <laughs> everything else was awesome. It was pretty amazing to see everything, but to know that you were up there with a fly. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I'll ever see those pictures the same way again. <laughs> oh, I did all kinds of stuff. He used me as a printing press. That was super fun. Uh, what else have I done? Oh, my gosh. I, I know you got to swing around in a in a Darleks uh, hobble dress, which he loved to do to yeah. use as well. Those things are amazing. We'll talk a little bit more about those a little later. Final question of the first five. Mm -hmm. First time you looked in the mirror and said, I am finally where I want to be. I don't know if it's ever happened. I'm so ambitious and I'm never satisfied. <laughs> I don't ever think I, I've done what, everything I want to do. So I've never told myself, wow, this is it. But every time I shoot and every time I wear something spectacular, I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I am so lucky to be this person today. And I enjoy every minute of being that person that day. Fetish chick and model Stacy Burke has been seen on E! The Girl Next Door, Kendra and Bridget's Sexiest Beaches, and she's Playboy Hugh Hefner's ex-girlfriend and once lived at the Playboy Mansion. She once worked at Ricky Rockman's world-famous cat house, the Rock and Roll Club, worked for Trauma as an actress, got set on fire while there, and she's worked in other TV shows, movies, and considers herself a fetish model for life. Stacy Burke, the fetish chick, on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever walked into the Playboy Mansion, and what was going through your head? Oh, God, I'm trying to think the first time, first time. It might have been when I, God, I think this was the first time. It's hard because there's so many times, but I think the first time was when I was working for Trauma. 
And I did the movie Citizen Toxie. It was a Toxic Avenger uh, movie. And it was part three called Citizen Toxie. And I was working with Julie Strain and a few other, Me Max and a few other people. And we had a film at the Playboy Mansion, a scene where I get killed in the grotto. And so I think that was my first time at, at the Playboy Mansion. Because I met him a few times, like out in the club. But I think that was, I think that was my first time at the Playboy Mansion. And it was just amazing because I'm filming, so I'm working. But at the same time, I'm starstruck and I want to wander and I want to see things. But I have to be ready when Lloyd goes, get back on set. You know, like I had to be wrangled in. So, and it was a bunch of people. So uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun. And it wasn't really like a party, like a playboy party. It was a filming party. So it wasn't like, you know, hobnobbing with people. So it was, I, I, I was having a blast. <laughs> First time you ever met Hef. Well, a few times I met Hef. Um, sometimes I go to a club and he would just show up. And then the, uh then, of course, at the Toxic Avenger thing, I saw him there. Uh, we all took pictures because he showed up at, on set. And then another time, I was doing Playboy TV uh, called Night Calls, and it was a tied-up tickling scene. And then we did a wrap party afterwards at Pinot's. It was a restaurant in L.A. called Pinot. And Hef showed up, and he just got divorced from Kimberly. And he invited me to come to Playboy Mansion. I had my car parked there and everything. And, and he goes, come to Playboy Mansion with me and party. And I go, but my car, my car. And he goes, don't worry. And he gave money to the guy. I go, take care of her car. Take care of her car. I'm like, ah. and I go, okay. So I got in the limo with him with all these girls. And I, then he took me um, to his place. We partied. And then there was another time I met half at, um, at a radio show it was at the Playboy Mansion. I was at the radio show and he asked for my phone number and he called me and he asked for a date. And on the date, he said, where do I know you? I, you look familiar. I go, because have, I met you like five times. <laughs> I've been at your place. Like I met you five times, but I get, you see different girls. So it was weird. So I met him like for him, I met him for the first time, maybe five times, but I met him like five times. And now that, then I became a girlfriend. So I guess the first time was, at a club but that wasn't really me anything so i guess i guess the first time was trauma when i was filming for trauma when i solidified really met him <laughs> first time you ever dabbled in fetish and what made you do it um uh, well like i don't know i guess i've always kind of liked it but i didn't know what that meant um i used to be a webcam model with tasha welch and it was back in the 90s which we made lots of money where we, we were, it was like in LA, it was a, a, a real office building and we had sets and everything and only the rich people could have internet and we would do webcam and we'd pretend we were typing, but it wasn't, we had a girl doing all the typing for us. And it was like a striptease uh, webcam thing. And Tasha Welch was a fetish model. And, you know, me and her, like, just clicked, and we were talking, and she goes, have you ever thought about being a fetish model? And I go, what do you mean? I go, I know there's fetish. I know there's modeling. But you mean there's fetish modeling? And she goes, well, there's, like, Betty Page. I go, you mean they still do that? <laughs> and <laughs> wow. it sounds like, you know, like, like I, I don't know what's out there, like, what's available. Because back then, we didn't really have internet. We just had the back of, like, um, like what is it, like, OC Weekly or LA mm -hmm. Weekly. And, and you have the ads for models for stuff like that. So I didn't know because during even during the Betty Page era, it was all through mail order. It was like the, the photo club. So I did photo clubs and stuff. But I didn't know that there's this whole thing of video and and magazines. Like, I didn't know. Like, it was still going on. I'm like, what? And so she hooked it up, hooked me up with Harmony. And so I worked with John and Lorelai for the, the first time doing fetish. And it was like, and it was so cool because first of all, I liked it. It was fun. I was new. And then I even told them, I go, look, if you need me, I'm available anytime. You could call me anytime. Which they their eyes are open because usually they're usually working with models that have a side job and they, they can't get models, to, you know, so, so when I was available, I was working five days a week, like, because it's like, and plus when you're new, they really want to use you. 
and you know, because it's like fresh meat. And then when you're, and then when you get exposed, they kind of, then it dies off. And so I was working a lot, and I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> like you know, it's like it's like playing dress up. It's like playing Batman and Robin, cops and robbers. Like, what's the storyline today? And it was like, it was just campy and cheesy, and it was like, you know, I just felt like I was just like, yeah, like I was a kid get get to play dress up, and I was working like five, sometimes six days a week. And I that, know, yeah. I know that you and I have the same love for the TV show Batman. Oh yeah, well that was my first words when I was a kid, when I was a baby. I didn't say mom or daddy. I saw Batman. That was my first <laughs> word because my mom would put me in a high chair, and uh, when she was cooking, and so I would, and, and, and you know, it's in the song and, and, and the Batman. So that she's that was my first word. <laughs> Describe the first time you opened up a Harmony magazine and saw yourself in there as the superheroine that you had always dreamed of being. Oh, it was like a dream because I've always wanted to be a superhero. Like it's like, and it's like I got to be one almost every day. And then when they made me Holly Harmony, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow. And then when George Press made me like Daisy Chain, and I got, I got, he made me a comic, and his, his. His uh, wife even made me the outfit. The outfit I wear, his wife sewed it. And it's like, I mean, like, like you know, all my dreams pretty much came true, actually. And so it's like, you know, who, who doesn't want to be a superhero, you know? So it's like, yeah, that was like, wow. And it's like, and then I still pinch myself. It's like, this is great, you know? Like, oh, I'm doing a video. And people are like, what do you do for a living? Well, today I'm doing a glue video. Tomorrow I'm doing Batman. And it's just like, it's like, this is my life. It's like every day is a different thing. And that's another thing I like because I like variety. So you never know what the day is going to bring. It's always something totally different. It's nothing mundane about it. Like, it's not just Dom. It's not just superheroine. It's not just bondage. It's not just latex. It's not just tickling. It's not just wrestling. It's just like, and then I, like on my OnlyFans, I got a guy that's like, hey, I always have my hair up you know, I'll pay you money just to put your hair down and brush it. Like, God bless it. Like, you know, most people are like, I wish I had, well, you can. What do you mean? You can. There's people want a service. You give them a service and you get paid for it. It's basically like anything else in the world. That all is, that's all it is. <laughs> you and I first met at this year's fetish con. Describe the first fetish con you walked into. Well, I'm part of the beginning of FetishCon because um, it used to be called DivaCon and all that. But then when it was BondCon, and then uh, that was good. That was a great, that was, they, they had a great, they would do that every seven months. It was not even here. They would do it every seven months. Which, it's exhausting. I don't know why they even put that on themselves to do it that way. But it was awesome. BondCon. And then they changed it to BondCon New York because they had a little, you know, um, you know, divorce thing mm -hmm. and then through the domain thing. And then BonCon New York was domain was being taken away from them. And so Genesis and Vesta and Mike came to me and said, we're going to have to stop doing these conventions because we can't, we're, we're, we can't use the name. And I said to them, well, I bought the domain FetishCon a long time ago for selfish reasons, because being a fetish model, I go to this convention, that convention, this convention, I was getting tired. And a lot of the conventions were not that lucrative. And I felt really bad for the producers. I felt really bad for the models. Like it was like, and I go, I wish there was this fetish con where everyone had come together and it's lucrative and you could cross the fetishes. It's just make one big party. So I bought the domain fetish con thinking one of these days I'll figure out how to do this. And so I go, I got a great idea. You do a really good job of doing all this. I don't. I have the domain. I'm, I'll give it to you. All I ask is you just fly me out and invite me to the party every year. That's all I want. And they go, shook hands, done deal. And that's, so when I walked into FetishCon, it's like, it's every day a dream of mine that came true. Because it was a dream of mine, like a FetishCon. For selfish reasons, because I didn't want to travel for it all these different conventions i just wanted one convention and we all could have a great party 
and you know, like glue, glue fetishes, because there, there used to be like glue fetish conventions. Like you, I could tell you about all the little conventions, and it was like it was kind of sad because they hardly made any money, and it was just they did it for fun. And I thought, you know, there's a way you can make money at this and hire models, and you don't have to. So, so yeah, it's a dream. So it is, it's a dream. And then fetish awards. I even bought the domain fetish awards, and I gave that to them. And then we got fetish awards now. So, and I only have, I have one more domain, but no one wants it it's called Fetish Press. So if anybody's interested in called Fetish <laughs> Ludella Hahn is an award-winning fetish actress and filmmaker known for her fiery red hair, hourglass figure, and her palpable passion in the work she creates. Wearing all the hats as a one-woman show, she takes immense pride in creating her productions all on her own from start to finish from script writing to set building, costuming, directing, filming, and editing. With her love for vintage, her curves, and her feminine allure, Ludella has been called the Betty Page and Marilyn Monroe of modern day, with a bit of Lucille Ball thrown in. And like Monroe and Ball, it's always important to Ludella to prove that women are capable of so much more than being a pretty face. With 13 Fetish Award wins under her garter belt, nestled in with a myriad of nominations from the AVN Awards, XBiz Awards, Alt Porn Awards, and the Why Not Cam Awards, she is renowned for her cartoony yet cinematic style in a multitude of niche fetishes. And she has fans all over the world who love her larger-than-life stories, sets, and characters. Ludella Hahn on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever heard the word fetish and what it meant to you. Oh, that I, I don't know if I could think of the first time, but I do know in either me researching like the specific term, you know, and trying to understand like what exactly is a fetish because people use it, you know, a lot of times just for things that they like that aren't actually like sexually derived, you know, <laughs> so they'll just be like, oh, I have a fetish for coffee or something like that. But, <laughs> but obviously they, they don't in, in the, that term more official sense of the word <laughs> yeah but um so I remember trying to understand like my own um I don't know what I need sexually and trying to figure out like is this a fetish or you know like like what what is this exactly um that I found out like what it meant and I was probably um you know this is like pre pre internet I mean internet was around but not the way it is now <laughs> so it wasn't like I wasn't googling <laughs> what this kind of stuff was um but I would probably be in late teens or early 20s I think like when I like really started to look into it and delve into it more I can't remember the actual first time I heard the word though first person who inspired you to be the type of performer that you are it depends on what kind of I guess like if you're talking about how I got involved in any of this, it I started actually before I was doing fetish modeling more seriously. Um, I was just focusing more on like pinup modeling. Uh, that's kind of how I got my start was in like the pinup culture. And there was um, a model that I discovered online, you know, in those early days of the internet. <laughs> Um, her, I don't even know if she still models anymore, but um, she was like a Marilyn Monroe impersonator and her name was Jamie Deadly and she was like very curvy. And before that, I always thought like, you know, because of my figure, I couldn't be a model. And so seeing her and seeing like these beautiful po like photographs of her, I, I realized like, oh, I can actually do this. Um, and so that was kind of like she gave me the inspiration to pursue being a model. And then and as far as like the fetish industry goes, that kind of became a career more as a, it started with me just needing, you know, like, like I just looking for odd jobs basically like on Craigslist. 
them. And that was like how I kind of first dipped my toes into the fetish world was like doing these like little odd job type things for um, small time producers that I found on Craigslist or Model Mayhem. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I kind of, you know, got exposure to more people. Um, I used to do a lot of touring with, do you know, um, Nixon? Yes, I do. Yeah. So she and I became um, friends and we would do these like tours like uh, together to different areas like in the Midwest um, or when she came up to Boston, we would do, um, you know, trips from around there and we'd work together a lot. So she kind of introduced me to a lot more people because she had been in the industry for a little longer than I had. And so that's kind of opened my exposure even more. And um, I actually had gone to FetishCon for the first time. I'm just going off on a tangent that doesn't have to do with this <laughs> is more about how I became involved in the, the fetish industry but um as far as my style I'll go back to the point as far as my style of how I perform uh I'd say like I said you know how I got into it was because of that one model inspiring me that I could with how I looked but my own style I think is just inspired by myself in a way like I've never really like tried to replicate anyone because to me ever since I was little I've always wanted to be like kind of separate from other people and just be myself and not follow the crowd so I don't really look at other people's styles that often just because I want to not stray from what I have created for myself um but I will say um like Anastasia Pierce inspired me a lot with my with um editing and just being like a female that did it all I you know that was like oh I can do that too I can do all my own editing I can do all this and it was just like an inspiration in that respect um but yeah for style and in like how I perform that that wasn't necessarily inspired by any particular person but there have been a lot of inspirations for like seeing someone set an example and realizing like oh I can do that too if they can, you know, like it's just, it's just, I think, and I think that's important for people to see, you know, that like if someone else can do it, it inspires you that like, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have thought I could, but they're doing it. So I can try too. <laughs> do you remember your first fetish video that you put on sale and what it was? <laughs> um, so going back to that closer sale or not closer sale, but the Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one of that's the, old school right there <laughs> one of the the people I first worked with you know back when I was just trying to like make a little money while I was in college um did foot fetish for clips for sale and so he was telling me like oh you can set up your own site and you can just like come here to the studio and like you know like make these videos and he like showed me how to do it I didn't realize it was like an actual thing you could do and make a living off of so I wasn't taking it very seriously but whenever I worked with him he would also like let, you know help me shoot content for my own um store so it'd probably be something foot fetish related because that's what I was doing at the time um with him when I started the site but I cannot remember the exact like what the video would be <laughs> First time you ever got a request for a custom fetish and went, okay, what is this? <laughs> um, there have been a lot of really interesting ones, but back before I was even, you know, publicly accepting customs and I just had that like little, like, you know, whatever <laughs> abandoned kind of clips for sale page with like the little, the foot fetish videos that I'd filmed you know, a long time ago, someone had found me through that and reached out to me and contacted me to do um, a hot butt. I like custom where basically I had to somehow like my butt would get really hot and I'd have to like cool it off. So it's just like a lot of like getting my butt really hot and then dipping it in cold water just back and forth over and over. So that was like the first custom I had to shoot um, was that and um, and then once I started, you know, actually focusing on my own closer still store, obviously, and accepting more customs, then I got like a lot of different things. But that one just stands out to me because it was, you know, I wasn't marketing that I was doing any customs. It's just, just a person that reached out and I was like, all right, I guess I could do that. <laughs> what was the first image of you that you saw that made you realize I'm exactly where I want to be? Oh, that's another tough one. <laughs> I feel really, when I 
look back at like all the things that I've that I've done sometimes I'm just can't believe it. it feels like a lifetime you know like it hasn't even been I mean it has been a while but there's just been so many things I've like been able to to create over the years that I just feel extremely grateful for and so it's hard to just think of like a single image that stands out that much I think of like a lot of like the earlier images um I don't know to me it's just the being able to express like emotion through through image that like you know that's what stands out to me I guess is like a lot of the photo shoots that I got to do where it was just very like I don't know how to describe it necessarily um I don't know primal I guess <laughs> that's a good word maybe but just very like allowing me to just like you know emote and be who I am instead of like you know being dressed up and just like posing like a, a mannequin not that there's anything against that because I do a lot of mannequin fetish <laughs> but you know like just like being able to to express emotion through like facial expressions and poses um I did dance growing up and so for me that's how modeling became like a form of dance and so I guess like yeah <laughs> I'm sorry I'm so awkward with interviews <laughs> But I we hope you enjoyed some of those first fives from some of our guests that have been at FetishCon. And we can't wait to see you this year in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 10th through 13th, 2023 for FetishCon 2023. You can get your tickets, hotel information, and so much more at FetishCon.com. And next time, in two weeks on FetishCon Friday, we will be bringing you the one and only Temptress Raven Eve in a very special video podcast. We'll have the audio right here on all your favorite podcast channels. A great visit with her where she'll talk about how FetishCon has helped shape her character. That is in two weeks, January 27th, right here. And we'll see you next Tuesday for our regularly scheduled What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want when we will visit with the founder of the Dominatrix Hall of Fame and the Den of Iniquity. It's Mistress Tara Indiana joining us. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. And now, select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.